Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. Well, here we are again on another Monday night for the Man Up Monday podcast. My name is Jody Burkeen. I'm your host, and I want to thank you all for joining us this evening. Uh, this is an awesome opportunity for us just to come out to you guys with um, what we believe is some good godly content, uh, a variety of all kinds of stuff, anything from interviews to uh, things like, uh, like we're going to talk about tonight. I have my host here, uh, co-host here, Ben Neely. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, bud. Good, good. to see you. Glad you're here, man. Yep. Glad to be here. Glad you're here. We started off a little frantic there. Um, we had some uh, people call in sick and not show up for our, our guys. We'll send them some Midol pictures and tell them <laughs> to take a couple of Midols <laughs> for us. But my son stepped in. I appreciate it, Gabe. How you doing, buddy? Good. Good. Glad I'm you're well. here, man. I know he's tired. He, uh, he's got him a real job now, and he stayed up late last night having fun and then had to work all day like a real man. So he's... Uh, sacrificing for me today. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, guys, uh, I'm excited about tonight. <coughs> We're going to talk about really about man up, um, man up God's way, and uh, just an opportunity for us to share our heart about what man up uh, really is and how it all started, um, and really walk through what um, my first book was, Man Up, Becoming a Godly Man in an Ungodly World. And we're going to go down through each chapter and just really kind of draw some stuff out uh, between you and I and uh, in our personal relationships uh, that we have been um, mentoring each other and keeping each other accountable for the last few years and just what, you know, it, the, the book does and what we expect it to do. And so I hope you stay tuned for that. Uh, if you get an opportunity, please share this. Uh, we need as many people watching this as possible. Um, we've got 880,000 followers on our main Facebook page, and then we've got 33,000 guys following us, uh, men only, in a private group called Man Up God's Way Community, and we just pray that um, it is a blessing to everyone who's uh, in that group. And it's growing daily crazy how fast that thing's growing we're That's adding awesome. you know anywhere from a, a 500 to a thousand guys a, a week it seems like lately and it just started blowing up all of a sudden so we're excited about that um, so if you get an opportunity we also um, the way that we pay for things around here is through our uh, mer merch manupmerch.com uh, is where you can find all of our stuff you got our books we got coffee mugs we've got thermal thermoses we've got cool t-shirts like this like ben and i are wearing and uh it would uh, we'd appreciate it if you get an opportunity just to go on there and purchase something for us um that helps us pay for this podcast and we thank you for that and so um man i guess what what i guess i'd like to get into is just, how was your week this week, man, Did you my, have a good week? my week was good it's getting uh, work's getting busier and busier one thing i wanted to say about the merchandise is is like all the money that comes from that goes to man up. It mm -hmm. goes back into the ministry. It doesn't go into Jody's pocket, nope. um, this, that, or the other. So just think about that when you're listening. If you like us, help us out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm sorry. My week was good. My good. week was good. It's uh, getting a little bit busier and busier at work. Uh, but uh, I love my job because it gives me time to, and to spend time with my family to do things like this, to be involved in church. So I've got no complaints. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So... 
Um, again, thank you everyone for joining us today. If you get an opportunity, share, like, uh, you can get us on YouTube. You just subscribe to the channel. We have the Facebook page, got a couple other pages, my personal page. Uh, and then I also have a, a pastor page that you can check out as well. You can find the live feeds on there. And then tomorrow you'll be able to download this podcast on any podcast platform right now where Man, it just, it's amazing what God is doing uh, through this podcast. We haven't advertised or done anything crazy with it, and God just keeps blowing it up. Um, we're ranked number 16 right now in the Christian realm, and um, and we dropped into the top 100 of uh, Apple Podcasts, um, and it's been cool. It's been cool to yeah. see what God's doing. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. A couple of goons like us to get on a <laughs> podcast. So stupid, dude. <laughs> so stupid. But, you know, hey, we just got a heart for men. Yeah, amen. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited about tonight's topic because uh, uh, I've lived it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't my story, but it in in different ways it's been my story. Just there's a couple of differences between me and you and stuff like that, so. Uh, I'm excited for the men to maybe hear a little bit about how it's, like you said earlier, it's how it's affected our lives, right. how this message, God turned it into life-changing uh, wisdom for uh, you first and right. then definitely me. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad it's done. You, you wouldn't believe how many emails and texts I get over the years just, um, you know, talking about the book. Uh, the book itself is called Man Up, Becoming a Godly Man in an Ungodly World, and it was the very first book that I wrote. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, I didn't even read a book until I was 33 years old. Yeah. Like, literally never read a book. I went through high school li- uh, living off Cliff Notes, you know. <laughs> um, back in those days, we didn't have Google, so we had these things called Cliff Notes. And so I never read a book. And then I gave my life to the Lord in 2006 or th- 2003. I was 33 years old at the time. And uh, the Holy Spirit just gave me a desire to read God's word. And uh, that's really where, you know, I I went through the Bible and I've gone through it every time, uh, at least once a year, if not twice, just from studying and, you know, having to pastor and prepare for sermons. And so I spend really good quality time in the word of God. And it gave me this desire uh, as I was looking around the church when I was when I was first saved, and I kept looking around the church and I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm hungry. I don't know what I need, but I know that something inside of me is changing and I'm growing and I didn't know what was going on. And I, I didn't have, I mean, matter of fact, my Bible, I don't know if you've ever seen, and I'm not picking on anybody who did this, but I had no clue where the books of the Bible were. So I put all these tabs that had yeah. the names on the Bibles. So I got me a new Bible. I put all the tabs in there so I could figure out where, you know, where each, each book of the Bible was. And I was green, and I was, I'm in the church. I got my Bible under my arm, and I'm like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I could not get anybody, um, not to, and I didn't ask. I didn't know to ask. I couldn't get anybody to help me. And uh, I didn't ask anybody. I didn't find anybody. And there were just men who I thought, you know, were godly men um, not doing what they should have been doing. And that's the discipleship. Yeah, and and real quick to be clear, you're not talking about being perfect. No, not at you're, all. You're just no. talking about the 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 fruit and the growth that that you should have been seeing in men, even as young in Christ as you were. Exactly. So let's be clear about yeah. that. We're not talking about perfect people. No, not at all. I, I'm, if you're perfect, you need to find another church because yeah. uh, you'll mess the ones that you're going up, uh, mess it up big time. So, um, I I was just I didn't know what I was looking for. I do now. 
you know, 17 years in my salvation, I know exactly what I'm looking for, and I know what other men should be looking for, and I pray that that's what the men that I teach and disciple are doing. And, uh, it, and that's literally as simple as just taking someone under your wing and helping them learn and understand the Word of God, and then live it out. Sometimes you're going to disciple men that they need to learn it first, and then they're going to start applying it. So it doesn't always work simultaneously. Sometimes that knowledge has to get down to the heart. And once it gets down to the heart, then you start seeing men start changing. And so I had this desire, and I was just like, why is nobody, you know, doing this? Now, everything that I'm reading in the Bible, because I literally was going through it like create like wildfire. And I was reading, and I, I would read something. I was like, man, that doesn't look like the men in the church. That doesn't feel like the men of the church. And so um, I was blessed by the busiest man in the church took an opportunity to disciple me, and that was the pastor. He saw me just kind of flailing and uh, not doing the, the, you know, not doing as well as I probably could have been. And he and I, we, we were a lot alike. You know, we were both in business, and he was bivocational. And so he literally took me under his wing, and he met me at Denny's uh, every Monday morning. He said, 6 o'clock, don't be late. Uh, if you're late, um, then we'll, we're going to stop. Don't waste my time, and I won't waste your time. And that was exactly what I needed. Yeah. So, man, the very first Monday, I'll never forget, I was there. I bought us both coffees. I was, you know, I was there at 530. I wasn't about to be late. And for 52 weeks, I, I kid you not, literally 52 weeks, that we didn't miss a Monday. And uh, he just poured into me and just spent time with me and gave me things to read and gave me homework. And, you know, next thing I know, here I am, I'm, I, I'm understanding it. And so time goes on, and I ended up becoming the assistant pastor of the church. And, um, you know, th this growth process that I had was just literally reading the Bible every day, learning to apply what I was reading, and just um, looking to not only share the gospel, but disciple other men. Because I didn't want them, you know, especially new guys in the faith. Well, the next thing you know, I start teaching guys that I thought, you know, should have already known all of this. And here I am teaching guys that claim to be Christians 10, 15, 20 years. And, um, you know, God just started doing a, a really big work in me. And so one day somebody challenged me, and this was back in 2011, somebody challenged me to write my testimony out. And I, the, the, the guys that I disciple, and you've heard this a million times, Ben, you need to have a two-minute, a 10-minute, and a 45-minute version of your testimony ready. Yes. And the reason being is because you never know how long you're going to have to share it. Man, if you're sitting on a bus or a plane or, you know, getting ready to, you know, walk, you know, maybe standing in line at a restaurant waiting on a table. I mean, you've got two minutes if you, if you strike up a conversation with somebody to possibly share your, go your, your, your testimony with them. You know, mine is always like, you know, my two-minute version is always like, man, you know, I was an atheist prior to my salvation, giving my life to the Lord in 2003, and man, God just did a mighty work, because usually my conversation, you know, you know how men start off conversation is, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah. good, you know, well, what do you do for a living? You know, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm saying I'm a, I'm a pastor, and they're like, what, you're a pastor? And um, yeah, that you know, I'll, let me tell you my story real quick, and that's how a two-minute version can um, sometimes lead into that 10-minute and that 45-minute version. Yeah. So somebody challenged me to share my testimony, and I literally started writing um, one day. I started writing out my testimony, and this is, is, this is the book, and what I ended up happening was I had probably, I would say at least 100 pages just of my testimony, and I was handwriting it. 
just write it. You know, I'd write for a little while, and then next day I'd come back and I'd write some more. And I literally started at 12 years old. So what I was what I was seeing was I was seeing God really work all the way up to you know the time that I was writing this, and so it was really cool just to to be able to uh, to see my testimony start when it was 12 years old. You know, even as an atheist, God was working in my life. I just didn't know it. Yeah. You know, I always always equate it to when you know my son and his uh, sister were little, and we would walk through the mall or through a amusement park or something and you know they were getting old enough just to where they would wander off and i would always you know i'd let them get a little bit and then i'd grab their head and i'd turn them back around and you know get them straight path make sure they were right next to daddy and um you know i would just they were just short enough and i was just tall enough just to be able to put my hand on their head and guide them and when i started working on my testimony i saw from 12 years old all the way to you know the time that i was writing it that god was doing the exact same thing in my life you know, just moving me yeah. around and moving me to a place to where, um, you know, I am today. You know, and it brought me to that day of salvation in 2003. And so that's how I ended up writing this book, like literally just yeah. uh, out of the blue. Um, and I know that it was a total God thing because, like I said earlier, I'd never even read a book up until I gave my life to the Lord and I started reading. I started soaking things in. I started reading the word. I started reading commentaries. I started reading, you know, all of this stuff. And God just kind of put me into this place. And since then, I've written four books um, and God just continues to use those. So um, what I want to do tonight is really talk about the process of manning up and how we use and how, you know, first of all, um, for those who are out there, if my book or any other book were to ever take you away from reading this book, burn them, okay? This is the book that you need to be reading. Uh, this is supplementary. Uh, this is just maybe you're in a space right now that you need a kickstart or a kick in the butt or um, an opportunity. This is a, a very open and honest book about how I was a spiritual sissy, um, how I see men in the church being spiritual sissies, and we're looking for you to man up God's way, period. Yes. So tell the story about the first time that you and I met. Okay, I love so this story. back in, um, I met my wife in 2013. We were just friends for two years. We were going to a house church, and uh, once uh, in 2015, um two years later, and I won't go into the whole story, but I, I asked her if uh, she would marry me, and we did what we call courting, because at this point, we're both Christians. We're not going to have sex or even ki We didn't kiss even before the right. day we got married, so we're trying to do everything right. And one day, her, the house that Stacy and I live in, uh, after her uh, first marriage ended, her and her mother bought that house together. And so... I was living in an apartment in Eureka where your mom actually used to live. Right. And so I would go over and visit Stacy. So at this point we're courting and I go, I walk in one day and we have a, it's still there today that I don't know what you call it. Coat rack with a bench on it. That's, that's right in between the garage door and the living room. And that book is sitting on the bench. And when I looked at it, I knew exactly what it was. And uh, I said to her, I said, when she walked, I think she was in the back, she walked in the room and I picked up the book and I showed it to her and I said, uh, hey, uh, Stacy, are you, uh, 
are you trying to learn how to be a better man? <laughs> and she said, oh, no, no. You know, sh- my friend Sharon used to go to this church in Eureka, and I think I had actually talked about it because every time I would drive by this church, I would see the sign and it just spoke to me. And at this point, we're out of the house church and we're going to a large church in mm-hmm. South County. And um, I, I've always been more of the intimate setting. I never got that house church out of my blood. Right. It's just six of us. And um, so she said to me, she said, uh, you know, I, Sharon just thought you might like it. And I'm like, uh, listen, babe, I'm not going to read a book about becoming a better man given to me by a woman. And that's just how prideful and arrogant I was at the time. And sure that I was a gift. I was going to be God's gift to Stacy because I thought I was doing when you're single for 20 years mm-hmm. there's nobody telling you anything that you need to know everybody's telling you what the, you, that you want to hear right and so i was uh i i thought that there, there was no barometer of how good of a man i was because i was doing what i wanted when i wanted anytime i wanted i didn't have to answer to anybody except when i was at work so uh um, you sound like that kid have you ever seen the barnyard yeah. I do what I want, when I want. <laughs> that, that's exactly the way I am on bad days. So I so at within a couple of months, we, you know, before we got married, we had decided, you know, I and, and really it was me not not telling Stacy what I wanted. I think I shared with Stacy what's on my heart. And I think she realized that I wasn't happy at mm-hmm. the church we were in. It is a great church. But I it was too big for me. And so we made a decision to, to try this church out. Uh, she had told me about you. I think I watched a YouTube video of you probably speaking at a men's conference in like mm-hmm. 14 or 15, whenever right. it was. And I, um, then I, I was at the Shell station down here one day, and you and your family walked in. You didn't mm-hmm. know that. I think I've told you before. Right. But with your white hair and the old white goatee, you stood out like a sore thumb. I knew, I knew it wasn't. So I just took that as a sign. Right. I almost said something to you, but I didn't. And um, so anyway, long story longer. I just walk into the me and Stacy walk in the first day to the church, and you just happen to be standing in the lobby, and you're really good about greeting everybody as long as you've got time. And um, you walked right up to us, and I we introduced ourselves, and I instantly started telling Jody what I was looking for in a church uh, and why we were switching churches and this, that, and the other. And the first words Jody said to me were after high as he reached over on this shelf that's still on the wall there, grabbed his book and said, here, let me give you a copy of my book. <laughs> and so uh, I looked at my wife and my life, w- wife looked at me like, I always try to tell you, she didn't say nothing, <laughs> but it's that look, right? And she, yeah. and she is, she's, she's almost always right. And that's how that's how we met. That's Amen. how I got started. And what I realize now, looking back, that providence of God, that unseen hand you just spoke about earlier mm-hmm. was working in your life. I realized that that God had been working me to this point. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that I did need to man up and right. that I wasn't I had an unrealistic expectation of what being a husband of a wife that God gave me. Right. Like I he gave me her. It's confirmed. I know he told me. This is going to be your wife. This your friendship is about to change, and there's a, an immense amount of responsibility with that that I was not ready for, and right. uh, and we'll stop there for now. That's yeah. good. Yeah, we're going to talk about marriage here in just yeah. a minute because uh, I think this was this is a pivotal part in your life and in mine too. That's why I wrote the chapter. And so, just so everybody knows, the way that I wrote the book was 
like I said earlier, it's my testimony. And so this was kind of the process that I felt that God was moving in me. And number one was, you know, just to know my testimony, know that I know that I know Jesus Christ. And once I truly understood the gospel, May 22nd, 2003, I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, I, I remember feeling something, the Holy Spirit, I remember feeling him come into my life and start changing things. Um, my taste for things that I loved that were sin, you know, alcohol and, you know, the, 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 the drunkenness that I used to spend my life on, those things did not taste good literally and physically and mentally to me anymore smoking cussing like you know hearing myself cuss like i cuss like a sailor and god just started doing these little things in my life and, and working on me and i tell all these stories in, in in the book but as as i was growing in the grace and knowledge of jesus uh that process of sanctification man he was just doing a really a big work and to be honest it started with my bible reading it wasn't anything that the church was doing. It wasn't anything that my wife was doing. It wasn't anything. It literally started with me opening up the Word of God and pouring into it. Like I said earlier, um, I've been through the Bible probably at least, I would say, and I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying this is how much I love reading the Word, yeah. at least 22 times uh, in my since 2003. And... Um, I, I read, and, and, and the first chapter of the book is a personal relationship with Jesus. And what I talk about in the book is, you know, uh, reading, praying, and repenting in that first chapter, learning to have this personal relationship with Jesus. And so in that relationship, um, I first have to know Jesus Christ. You have to understand the gospel. The gospel is this, guys, if you're listening. The gospel is that sin came into the world because of adam and eve and because of that sin we had to have a savior and god's provident plan all along knowing that adam and eve would sin was to have a savior a spotless lamb that would die upon the cross for our sins it was prophesied in isaiah and daniel and then two thousand years ago god in the flesh came to this earth and we call that Christmas. We know that he was born in a manger. We know, and it was prophesied that he'd be born in a manger. We know that he was born of a virgin birth. That was prophesied that he was born of a virgin birth. He walked a sinless life. And in 30 years old, he began his ministry. He called 12 guys, guys that were um, not worthy of being the apostles that they became. Uh, and thank God there's grace and mercy in his life because none of us are worthy. And he called those men to begin the ministry that he would leave them with. And three years later, he was taken, uh, again prophesied that somebody would betray him and that somebody was Judas. And he walked upon the cross willingly. He died, buried, resurrected. And for 40 days, he finished the ministry that he started he gave those guys a commission that commission was to go and make disciples in all nations baptize them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and teach them all that i commanded you and that's the gospel hallelujah amen i mean by faith if you believe in that you will be saved and that's what i believed in and i felt the holy spirit come upon me at that time and it changed my world. It wrecked my world, as a matter of fact, because the world that I was living in, I was going to be, I was going to be rich. I was rich. I was going to be richer, and I was going to shove it in everybody's face, and I was going to prove how rich I was by the stuff that I had. And um, God took all of that away, like yeah. physically took all of my money away. 
and uh, I'll never forget the day that he did. Um, uh, I was praying, and I was like, really, God? You, you took everything. Like, luckily, he let me keep my house. Yeah. I kept my house. Mm-hmm. I got a new job. Um, things just kind of fell apart. But I remember just on that day, because in my mind, I, I'd just given my life to him. It ha- I hadn't been saved six, eight months. And um, I'm thinking God got a good deal when he got me. So he's going to double everything that I had. That didn't happen. And I just remember saying, why? Why would you do this to me? And uh, I just, uh, it wasn't an audible, but I just felt the spirit just say, I didn't give that to you to begin with. Yeah. What I'm going to give you from here on out is going to be enough. And uh, it just kind of brought to me that Satan can give good gifts. Yeah. And he gave me all of that stuff that kept me away from God. And I kept, you know, even that six months I gave my life to the Lord, I would put the Lord up on the pedestal and then I would put the money up on the pedestal. And I just kept going back and forth. And I know God knew that I was never going to give up the money unless he made me see that he could give me what I need. You know, that reminds me of the story of uh, Solomon, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the way he misused the wisdom that God gave him. But the real wisdom that God gave him was the book of Ecclesiastes, that it was all vanity. Right. On the, that, Like, that's the true wisdom that Solomon got, was that, you know, he did it, he ate it, he had sex with it, mm-hmm. he bought it, he built it, and in the end... It was that he realized without God, it's all vanity. vanity. That's that's the wisdom. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But anyway, and why can't we get that when we're younger? You know, like yeah, I I, I wasted a lot of years striving for stuff that I I don't have anymore. But I I remember nights that I didn't sleep. I remember weekends I wasn't home. I remember trips that I had to take in order to you know pay for the stuff that like, and it's not even there anymore. Yeah. Like I I wish I'd I'd learned that. Lot earlier is it Hebrews that says there's no testament without the death of the testator? Right. In context, that's right. talking about Jesus. Yeah. So some of my friends are going to get mad at me for spiritualizing, <laughs> but in my life, if, if there's not a death to the old man, right, there is no testimony. Right. Exactly. Right. There has to be a death to the old yeah. for the testimony to be yeah. certified. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that, that's why. And that testimony sometimes is is brutal. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's why. I I try so hard to make sure that people are truly saved. Yeah. Because if you're truly saved and you're walking with God, you're going to go through the fire in order to come out pure. And that's yeah. that's the goal is, you know, that sanctification that God just keeps moving in our lives. And so, man, I, I, I got to that point where I realized God was doing something in my life. And uh, about 2008, 2009, I really got serious about my study and spending good quality time with God. And so a personal relationship with Christ, first of all, you have to know that you know Jesus Christ. Second of all, you've got to get to know Jesus Christ. Just because by faith you believe in him, um, that is salvation. Now you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And so reading your Bible teaches you how to have a personal relationship with Jesus from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. There's a lot of stuff in there about the old, you know, the old Israelites and God's chosen people, but you can also see even from Genesis one and two, you can see that Jesus is in there as well. And you, you, once you realize that, then the scripture becomes alive, active and sharp. 
when it, when that starts doing that, it starts messing with you in a good way. It starts changing your heart. It starts changing your mind. It starts changing your attitude. It starts changing your emotions because we are then filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the things that Christians should have in their lives. And a lot of times we quench the Spirit because we're not diving into the Word of God. And I'll just tell you a little bit about my personal relationship. What I typically do, and uh, I've struggled over the last few months keeping this consistent. Um, and I don't know what it is. You and I were talking about, I, I, I'm, I, I had some great spiritual years in my life. And uh, the last couple years have been ups and downs. But uh, last six months, of, I've really, I started school. Uh, so I'm reading a ton for school and seminary. Uh, I'm reading a ton for um, my sermons, and I'm only reading a little for my devotions, and I can yeah. feel the difference. And uh, I'm confessing right now, so I'm definitely getting back into what I teach and what I believe. Not that I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not devoting my time to the Bible. I'm studying. There's a big difference. And so devotion is literally just open up the Word of God, and here's what I tell guys all the time. Don't try to have a chronological plan or don't try to have, you know, I'm going through Genesis to Revelation. Start with a plan, but not ne something that's necessarily hard. Don't try to finish the Bible in a year um, if you're not good and, and disciplined. What I would suggest is in order to get to know Jesus, you need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see Jesus in a different light. You've got four different authors. You've got uh, amazing views of Christ. You've got, um, you know, somebody like Luke who is a doctor and he's more detailed in some of the stuff. You yeah. got Matthew who's a tax guy who's gives you a lot more numbers. You've got John who's, you know, Jesus, he loves Jesus and you can tell the, the love that he has in him. You got Mark who's a young guy, man. He's excited about the miracles, man. All he's just, he's like, you know, flashing and uh, all that kind of stuff. And so you get to see a different side of Jesus in every one of those, and they're all the gospel. Yeah. And it's cool that if you'll just spend some good quality time reading your Bible. And do this daily. Pick a place. Um, mine's downstairs, right at the uh, table. Um, and my table in my kitchen is right here where the steps are. And the steps come from downstairs. And my kids and my wife can can see me down there uh, reading my Bible, drinking my coffee, and that's where I've always picked my place, and um, I, I've always wanted it there. I get up before everybody else does. Uh, I finish up my studies, uh, get my coffee, and um, and they can see that. And I, you know, one of these days when I'm dead and gone, you know, I hope my my kids and uh, my wife will remember that. Oh yeah, Jody used to sit here. Yeah, Jody had his Bible open here. Jody, you know, drank his coffee here. Um, and uh, so that's that's part of the devotion is is a personal relationship with Jesus. When I finish, then it's prayer. And uh, I've gotten better at prayer because now I'm trying to do it without ceasing. Yeah. And that's that's a hard uh, discipline. Like I spend a lot of time by myself because I do um, some construction during the week and, um, I, I get to spend time by myself and I'm literally praying as I'm going through the day and I'm, you know, walking up steps and carrying lumber and I, I pray and I, I do, I, I try to pray a lot more than, uh, praying I, the I have 
praying that you're not going to have a heart attack. Yeah, pray, not, yeah exactly. Kill over as a fat right. kid, you yeah. know, while I'm on the job site somewhere, <laughs> praying that I don't die or break something or cut something off. But um, one of the things that I, I, I've done quite regularly is a prayer journal. And what a prayer journal does for me is I literally sit out and I write my prayer out uh, as I'm as I'm pray, praying it. Excuse me. Because what it does is uh, I can now go back and look. It, 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 to me, it's a faith builder because I, I pray these prayers. I, I don't know about you, but how many times have you said a prayer and walked away after you said the prayer and forgot what you even prayed for? Yeah, I normally remember I prayed for it if it if it happens. Right. Or if it, or if I look back and it didn't happen. But, you know, me and you have talked. That's something that I've never done is I've never journaled. Right. Ever. Yeah. And so I need to, uh, that's something I need to uh, probably start doing. The fact that I haven't done it probably speaks to the fact that I should at least try it. Well, it's, it, it is an, uh, it's another discipline. And it's not for everybody. But right. for me, what I'm, I'm able to do is I'm, you know, uh, if, if not only am I able to confess in my prayer journal. And it, for me, it's good to write. E- uh, even when I do my sermons, I literally write out my sermon verbatim. You know, I don't do yeah. just bullet points. I write out my sermons like, hey, you know, even start off, hey, Ignite family, I'm Pastor Jody, you know, and I start off with my very first line that way, and then I go through the whole sermon that way. Yeah. For me, a prayer journal, not only do I memorize it, but I can also go back and look at it because there have been times, I, I and I highlight answered prayers in my old prayer journals. And what's cool is um, I can see the prayers that God didn't answer, and I'm, you know, a year later, I'm going, thank God he didn't answer that one. Yeah. You know, what a selfish prayer, what a dumb prayer, and he didn't answer it. Or I can see that maybe this prayer may come to fruition years later. And it's just really cool for me. So read your Bible, praying, and then repenting. And repenting is something that I, I don't believe that most men know really what it is. Uh, it's not asking for forgiveness, even though that's in an essence what you're doing, but a repentant heart is one that's not going to go back to that sin. Yeah. Learning to change your mind. Okay. You have to change your mind. Uh, hopefully a conviction of the Holy spirit is helping you do that, but you have the power to walk away from that sin because of the Holy spirit. If you're not quenching it, you know, by sin and doubt and fear and worry and all these things that will quench the Holy spirit. And so if you're, Reading your Bible, you're praying, you're repenting. It's building your faith, it, 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 which will give you the ability to walk away from sin and to, to even become to a place to where you're sinning less. And that's, that's the goal of a Christian. You're not that you're going to be sinless, but you're going to learn to sin less. And, and that's the holiness and righteousness, righteousness in our lives that we should be striving for, yeah. and most men don't. So that's a personal relationship. Yes. It's simple. Um, but it's going to be the most disciplined thing that you do as a Christian. So I, 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 I fell down on my, at, in the lowest part of my life, <clears throat> I fell down on in a bathroom basement on my knees. Amen. And I, I knew who God, I, I went to a Baptist church some, went to, went to Sunday vacation Bible school, and the first year that I went to it, I got kicked out. They asked my parents to come pick me up because we were playing kickball, and I kicked the ball in the woods probably nine times in a row accidentally, and finally they made me go get it instead of go get themselves and i told the lady i'm not going to get it and i was just you know so was my walk with god so i uh but i didn't give i didn't i didn't start walking with christ until 2013 
that that's when I learned of a fellow relationship. I was reading my Bible for what was it, fifteen years. Uh, I was uh, I was trying. I was living by law, trying to be as good as I could. But I was erring here, but telling everybody how good I was doing here, even though there was all this sin in my life. And uh, but I look back and over that fifteen years, like you said, God was moving me towards two thousand and thirteen. And so, um, you know, our stories, they're, 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 that's where they get a lot different is kind of our salvation. You're more of a Damascus Road experience. I'm more of a I've been kicking, scratching, trying to run away from God most of my walk up until about 2013. So, right. Yeah, but but once I once I had a personal relationship with Christ, that's when the real fruit started bearing in my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it's important. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, a, a Damascus Road experience is are, are a dime a dozen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, to have such a dramatic change, you know, from an atheist to a Christian um, or a, a, somebody who's in addiction or jail or something like that and coming into Christ are a dime a dozen. I tell you what impresses me is the, the kid, you know, that, gave their life to the Lord at five or six years old and has walked with the Lord, you know, the, the few bumps and bruises that they've had on along the way. But that to me is impressive, yeah. uh, especially in this nasty world that we have today. And it's, it's not easy to, um, to do that walk no. at all. And I so I always tell young guys, listen, you become a Christian or, or, or if I see that they've got their pers- per- perspective wrong, it goes back to what you said about, you thought that God was going to bless you 10 times and this, that, and the other. Christianity is about losing. Yeah. It's not about gaining. Right. Oh, that's right? good. You gain, yeah. you, gain, you gain heaven. Right. But past that, it's about losing yourself. It's losing all your wants, desires, and all this to, what, to, to God's will. Right. And so, you, you know, I'm not going to try to discourage anybody from getting to Christianity. That's not the point. The point is, though, you, you need to understand what you're getting yourself into and if 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 you're if someone's discipling you or someone's teaching you and leading you to the Lord they should be telling you that right exactly right? pick up your cross and walk you know carry it with right. or walk with me is not an invitation to, to a party no uh uh-uh. right no. you're carrying an instrument of death that's right i always i always tell people why god or why jesus told us to pick up our cross and follow him is cuz we drop it daily yeah you know we're going to pick it up you know I don't know, like this is kind of a bad analogy, but it's not. But like if you're carrying something heavy, the best thing, like I I, I carry, you know, anything from two by 12s to two by fours uh, in my daily, just daily job and um, uh, side career, I should say. And for me, if I have the stack of wood off somewhere, it's better for me to do everything that I possibly can not to put that wood down. Like, yeah, it, it, it sucks having to pick it up the second time like if i can pick it all up in once and and just strong back weak mind mentality get it to where i need it to be uh it's so much easier on me than having to stop pick it up and redo the whole thing yeah uh the cross is a lot like that that's why it's so important that we have a daily walk that we have this personal relationship with jesus that we're spending time in the in the word so um psalms 119 verse 11 i've hidden your word in my heart so that i will not sin against you that's one of my favorite verses like it just for me um people are sinning because they don't have the word in their heart and if you don't read in your bible you don't have the word in your heart and um if you have a love for jesus if you have a if you have the power of the holy spirit you have the ability to do that 
and most men that I'm, I, I, I meet don't like to read, period. Sure. Um, the why, the, 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 how I wrote my book was to men who don't like to read. It's almost like, uh, I don't know, do you remember the USA Today newspaper? Yeah. Okay, so I loved the USA Today news. I haven't gotten one in probably 10 years, but I used to read that all the time because it had a really cool picture, really bold letters, and about four sentences. Yeah. And it would tell me everything that I needed to know about that. I think it was, I think one study said it was written in a fifth grade education. So it was perfect for me. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of like the Man Up book. It literally is an easy read. It's, um, it, it goes through the, the whole thing. And at the end of each chapter, I have a workbook. And so they can... You can do this as a study. You can do this as a devotion. You can do it as just, man, I need somebody to kick me in the butt. That's what I'm here to do. I'm going to kick you in the butt with this. Um, I talk about this, what I, what, I, what I would consider spiritual sissies. And I grew up in a time, if you were called a sissy, you were going to do one of two things. You are either going to cow down and go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm a sissy. Uh, or you were going to puff your chest out and say, who are you talking to, punk? Right. Like, that's the way that I grew up. And... Um, when I looked around at the church and when I still look at the church, I I've traveled for the last 10 years to conferences and churches and all across the nation. And, and we've even started going out to the rest of the world, um, in Haiti. And uh, I've been to Canada and I've been to Mexico and, um, I see this all across the churches is that there's a bunch of spiritual sissies. Just real yeah. quick, because you, you brought it up, Haiti. Mm-hmm. So when we got there, there was almost a riot right. when you stood up in front of those men and talked about dual submission. Right. Right. So, so you weren't, you weren't, sh- you know, God says husband, wife submitted, but, and, and you're still talking about that, but you were talking about side by side and then right. knowing how to submit to each other. And there was almost a riot to the degree I felt compelled to get up. <laughs> and I remember looking at all of them and in my loud, booming voice, I'm like, by force or by choice? Right. How do you want your wife to, to, to love to you? Love you? Yeah. And after you got done with those guys, now, you know, I, I, the, the, I'm not going to say his name, but the guy whose name starts with an O. Right. Him and his wife are side by side doing videos. Right. When she right was struggling at the time yeah. with him. Right. And and it like opened their eyes, man. Right. Because that place, like they're holding their women down. Well, they're 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 trying to be very old testament. That's right. Yeah. And not yeah. And, and not New Testament, what we would consider New Testament marriage. Well, there's more there are and we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. There are roles in the house. There are roles in the church uh, for both men and women, and uh, they're biblical. Yeah. And if you follow God's way, that's that's man up God's way. It has nothing to do with Jody. It has nothing to do with Ben. It has nothing to do with any. It's God's way. We have to f- we have to man up God's way. And so that's a, I, 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 we're going to talk about that here in okay. just a minute. But um. You know, w- when I'm thinking about this personal relationship, it, it's so critical that we understand who God is. And we can only understand who God is is through uh, a revelation through the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you not not a new revelation, the revelation of the word. So sometimes when you're saying, I don't like to read, um, you need to pray that God will give you the wisdom in the scripture, give you the wisdom of the interpretation, give you the ris- wisdom of the context. And when you start doing that and then more importantly, give me the wisdom of the application. 
how do I apply this? Not everything that you read is going to be applicable to your life. Some things that are going to be principles. Some things are going to be promises. Some things are going to be um, just history sometimes. You just got to know, um, and the only way you can know is to learn to devote yourself to the Word of God and then learn to study. And then God's going to do some amazing things in your life. Example. And, and you know this because I just told you this not too long ago, and I don't know that anybody else knows this. I've been borderline Calvinist, and what I mean by that is I don't know anything about TULIP, all that, but I have been a sovereignty of God. God knew everything. God, that, that you, you don't have a choice whether you're going to be saved or not. Right. I did not believe in the freedom, uh, you know, man's will, None of that. And so I've been reading the Bible like you. I engulfed myself into the Bible, in two especially in 2013. And just this year, I was at a men's conference, and I heard the verse, I stand at the door and knock, and if he or someone answers, I will come in and sup with them. And in that moment, God revealed to me in a verse that I had heard before. Right. But, but because I met other people that I was bouncing ideas off of and that were coming back, well, Ben, I don't know. You know, just think about it this way. It's somewhere probably in the middle. That verse in that moment for such a time as that opened my eyes to, you know what? God is in control. He is sovereign. He did have a plan. He knows it all. But we still have to make a choice at right. some point. Yeah. However you want to look at that. Mm -hmm. And so my point is, if you keep reading the Bible, two years later, you might, well, I've already read this, and you're reading, oh, my gosh, look yeah. at that verse 18. Right. That, I've never noticed that before. That's the great thing That's about the, the Word of God. That's the great thing about the Word of God. Yeah, exactly. And that should make you want to read it. Read the Bible like you're mining for gold. Right. Because you're going to find yeah. gold in there. But you're not going to find it every day. No, you're not. And here's the cool thing about it is that God's going to give you when you need it. Imagine if he said, um, I need all your sins gone before you come to me. Right. Okay. Man, we would be striving and striving and striving. He's like, no, I want you to come to me, and then I'm going to change you. I'm yeah. going to sanctify you. I'm going to give you that power in the Holy Spirit. He is going to do the work for you. You have to get to know him. Yeah. You have to make sure that you're getting to know him and um, his son, Jesus Christ. You've got to make sure that you know that you know that you know without a shadow of a doubt. Don't be a spiritual sissy. God's sitting up in heaven looking down. He's like, I gave you my son. I gave you my word. I gave you the Holy Spirit. Stop being a spiritual sissy. Are you going to man up? Are you going to do the things I've called, called you to do? Or are you going to sit in the proverbial back row of the church and do nothing? He wants us to man up and start doing stuff. Uh, and I don't mean works. I'm just saying we've just got to start doing stuff. And we're going to talk about that uh, throughout the rest of the chapters here. So personal relationships, is the first chapter of the book. Make sure that you read your Bible, pray, repent. What that's going to do is that going into the second chapter, it's going to help you man up in your marriage. And what I see for most men, again, I've been doing this for 15 years. Um, we've had the ministry, Man Up Ministry, for 10 years. And what I see from most men is that they're, 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 they're decent fathers and really crappy husbands. Uh, they bypass the marriage, and they try to go into their fatherhood and 
you know, be the best friend and all of that kind of stuff, but they bypass their marriage and they screw their marriage up because they don't understand the biblical understanding of what a marriage is. We raise our kids, we have kids, and we're going to get back into the kids here in just a minute. We, we have kids so we can raise them to be godly kids and to leave, okay? They're going to leave our home one of these days. And most men, uh, right now we have the highest divorce rate is in the empty nesters because all of their kids are gone and they're looking across the breakfast table at each other and they don't have a clue who the other one is because they focus so much on their kids they forgot about the marriage biblically speaking the marriage is one flesh god in the, the the book of genesis made marriage male and female he put them together he consummated the marriage he ordained the marriage and he said that that's going to be one flesh that is one flesh both mind body and spirit um, biblically speaking yes you can't separate one flesh and it shouldn't be separated and so early on in my christianity and I, i was not a good husband at all the first 13 years of our marriage matter of fact we were uh, married without kids for 12 years of our marriage. And so we kind of, you know, just became roommates and good friends and had a great, we were married. Um, but we, and, and we didn't have our separate lives. We loved being with each other, but I wasn't a husband. I was more of a, a boy that she was having to raise. I didn't have any responsibilities in the home except make sure the yard looked good. That was my only responsibility. I'm not kidding. Like well, she took it. care of the. I, I got I'm a. Laughing I, because I, I'm relating. I got a. I got a. Uh, uh, an allowance and um, like I couldn't. I couldn't save money. I spent it like crazy. So she'd give me an allowance and. Here all of a sudden, and I was a liar. You know, I lied to her all the time. You know, honey, I'll be home in two hours, and four hours later, I show up. How many beers did you have? Oh, I only had two, and you know, twelve later, and. How much money did you spend? Oh, I think it was like 40 bucks and it was 400. Like I never, she could never trust what I was saying. Yeah. All of a sudden we had kids. I had to grow up. Um, we had back to back boy, girl or girl, boy, 18 months apart. Um, and man, it was like all of a sudden I had to grow up. And so she, she reminded me of a promise that I made on our wedding day was to take our kids to uh, church. And that's how we ended up going to church. Well, fast forward a few years, I'm jumping into ministry. Um, God was doing a work in my life, but what I wasn't doing was I wasn't doing the work in my home like I should have been. I was doing the work in the church. I totally missed my family, like really bad. I wasn't, I, you know, my wife was having to drag the the diaper bags and the kids into the church because I was, you know, pressing palms and, you know, just I was a politician, basically, is what I was. I'm not kidding. Kissing babies and every baby but mine. You know, here I am in the church. And then I started teaching and preaching. And there's nothing worse as a preacher than to preach something, one, that you're either not living, or two, that somebody else knows you're not living. It's easier to lie to myself sometimes than it is to my spouse. And then all of a sudden I would preach on, you know, marriage or parenting or what you're supposed to do at home and all this kind of, my, I could just feel my wife. Like, I can't believe she didn't ever stand up in the middle of the audience and just call me a liar. Like right. it was that bad. And so all the years that I drank and drugged and lied and all that kind of stuff, we never talked about divorce once. The moment that I become the assistant pastor of the church, um, she wants a divorce. 
like out of the blue wants a divorce and it all boiled down but to the hypocrite that I was you know here I am talking about one thing and, the, and this is why I left the church at 12 years old was because of the hypocrites of the church and um, she was like you're you're a liar what yeah. you're saying at church is not what you're living at home and you want me to continue to have this facade that we're the you know great couple and perfect kids and all that kind of she said I'm not doing it anymore and I was like, whoa, crap. So I pulled back out of ministry, and, and this is really when I had to start manning up. Um, and, and I did it by reading my Bible, by praying, by repenting, and by trying to be one flesh with my wife. We had to make sure that we were in tune spiritually and physically, and because um, theologically and, and spiritually, she was blowing me out of the water. Sure. She was growing and she was amazing and her she uh, still does yeah she still does <laughs> you're anyway. exactly right yeah <laughs> totally but you've, but you've come a long freaking oh way oh my gosh she's 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 amazing i remember one time i walked into your house and uh, she wasn't sitting at the table but her studies was up there she must have had 16 books around her bible it's crazy it was literally 16 books and she I'm not does that every day yeah like it's crazy um she is a studier of the word and, and she makes me proud um but I didn't make her proud at this moment, you know, in this time, in time of our life. And so I pulled out of ministry for a little while and I just, I just tried to focus on our marriage. And that's really where God, you know, reminded me of Ephesians five. And, um, I'm going to read that to you here real quick in Ephesians five. Most men have heard it and most marriages have heard it, but I don't think we really take stock to really what it says. Um, a lot of times. And, um, where is Ephesians 5? Where we read, go? Read, read the verse before your yellow yeah, well, starts. Yeah. Okay. Um, verse 20 says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay. Again, why do I start with a personal relationship with Jesus? I have to know Christ. I have to know him personally. My wife has to know him personally. Um, my kids have to know him personally. My church needs to have to have to know him personally. That's going to bring everything else into balance. If we know Jesus first and understand why we're doing that. Verse 22, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife and Christ is also the head of the church and he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, also wives ought to be subject to their husbands and everything. I'll never forget. I tell this story all the time. I, I read that early on in my Christianity and I ran to my wife and I go, ha, look, you're supposed to submit to me. And I pointed to that verse and she goes, well, finish reading the rest of it. I was like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. And then it says, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Like that verse right there for men, if you're listening to this, that verse is key. You and I are to be sacrificial to our wives. Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for the church. He died for the church. He sacrificed for the church. And we've got to have that same spirit when it comes to our wives. Verse 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. And that's where I failed as a husband. I was not um, washing my wife with the water of the word. And I wasn't doing this with my kids at all. And... Um, Verse 26, and he might present himself to the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but he, that he, she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hates it, hated his own body or his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Verse 31, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and the two shall be joined as wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, he's pulling this out of Genesis. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is ought to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that he respects her husband. And what I've seen in many marriages is that this love and respect thing is actually becoming bargaining tools, meaning that the wife will say, I will respect him when he starts loving me. Or the man will say, well, I will love her if she starts respecting me. And nowhere in, in that verse does it say, love her if she respects you. Right. It doesn't say that. It says you must love her. It doesn't say if, or, and, or, but. It says you must love her. The same thing for women. Women, you must respect your husband, whether or not he loves you. Um, now, Obviously, there are some issues that could possibly go wrong in a marriage that you may not necessarily respect your husband or love your husband, but you've got to get to know Jesus first. Um, great commandment, love God, love others. It's no different than a, in a marriage. You've got to make sure that you're doing those things. And so instead of, you know, for, for my wife and I, uh, this is when I started becoming the man that she needed me to be is when I understood this verse, I understood what my role was to her, um, to wash her and sanctify her with the water of the word, making sure that she's doing her devotions, making sure that we're on the same page. And um, God started doing a killer work in our lives. Um, she, gave, she got to a place to where she, and, and she was an A-type personality, so she, she, it wasn't that she was, didn't want me to be the head of the house. Um, I didn't want to be at the time. And it, she was having to, to do all the work. And she started praying um, right about this time that God would change her. And I started praying that God would change me. This whole time we were fighting back and forth going, change her, change me, change, you know, like all of this stuff. And it didn't really work. And so the moment that we started doing that, God put us in line to become one flesh. We became complementary to each other. And we started learning the roles that we have in the household. Biblically speaking, I'm the spiritual head of the household. That means that I've got to make sure that I'm studying my word, loving my word, following Christ. She will follow me to the ends of the earth if she knows that I'm following Christ. And the cool thing about it is that God is, he will reveal that to her uh, as well. He is following Christ. Um, when she started relinquishing control and I started taking control Spiritually speaking, again, now we we have rules and uh, and roles in our home that may not work for everybody else, but they work for us. Uh, and you've got to figure those out that work in your home. And so they have become, and, and when we became one flesh, when we became one spirit, um, we started parenting better. Like it wasn't, we were on the same page of parenting. Our, ma our, our money management became better. Our sex became better. Our... Uh, relationships with our talks with other couples became better everything just started falling into place because we were both seeking God and it brought us closer to each other um, and I, I can't tell you like how awesome it is yeah though it's it's amazing our responsibility as a husband and or a wife I think one of the easiest things you we can say to explain it 
a quick way to how to think of it is your responsibility is husband and wife, which God made you. You didn't make yourself right. that is that our responsibility is to God. Yes. Husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church is a commandment from God. Right. So it's it's God that you is the reason why you want to do that, because it's hard to do that just for a woman or vice versa. Right. It's hard for a woman to submit to just a guy if, if it's his expectation that she does that. Right. But when you think about it, that you're that, that you're doing it unto God first, it 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 sobers things up real quick for you. Right. You know it what does. I'm saying? It yeah. does. And that's what I had to come to was to listen. Like you said, there is no one less in there. Husbands love your Christ like Christ loves the church unless she doesn't submit to you and vice versa. And sometimes it's just about obedience. Yeah. Right. The Bible says that men are pastors. Mm -hmm. Now, that does the Bible does not say women don't have the ability to be a pastor, that they can't, that they are not smart enough to be a pastor. It just right. says that men are pastors, and sometimes it's about obedience. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it that's and that's mankind, womankind, whatever. That's our our biggest problem. Yes, we don't want to be obedient. Don't eat the fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Don't don't eat the fruit. Exactly. And there's all these other things that I'm letting you that I'm letting you eat from or letting you enjoy, but you always want to do the wrong thing. Right. Right. That's that's the human condition. That's good. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's, and and you and you and Nan are a great, uh, you and Nan. I I respect Nan a lot. I hope she's mm -hmm. listening. Um, you can tell Nan really has to concentrate on womaning back. She would say, yeah, because she has a lot of ability. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right. Yeah. Like you, my other friend Anthony. There's only a few people that I will ask an opinion about the Bible. Right. If you guys weren't around, I would have no issue asking Nan a question about the Bible. Now, I may not agree, right. but just the fact that I would ask her means that I acknowledge the fact that she's got some real yeah. biblical knowledge and wisdom. And so I, 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 I quietly respect Nan because uh, she's, she's, a, she's a dynamo. And she has sacrificed more than I ever did. She has found like, her yeah. place. Mm -hmm. And she does it well, mm -hmm. and and uh, but Nan, Nan could be a pastor. Yeah, yeah. To be a know? pastor's wife is not easy. No, like and and she, you know, she doesn't get paid for it, uh, but she does everything with full zeal and love of Jesus, and um, and and you know, she's the one who brought me closer to Christ because I saw her walk, I heard her words, I I see her in prayer, like I envied that. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm I I was very you know, superficial. I wanted the bullet points. I didn't want all the mushy, gushy, you know, spiritual stuff. And here she's over here just worshiping. And that's what I envied that. And it was really cool. So we finally got to that place where it, it made a major difference in our lives. Um, and, and it brought us closer together. Like, like I can't explain, like God speaks to us both now. Um, she finally, you know, when I was finally called back into the ministry he's like yep you're ready you know and i was like okay good god said i was ready too so here we go um when we planted isn't, the church isn't that the best word oh you could gosh, hear yes like when she this time the second Dude. time around she's like you're ready yeah babe 
Dude, you I, know what I'm saying? I can walk my I can oh, walk dude. to a brick wall at that point in time. Yeah. When Stacy's on my side yeah. and 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 normally it's when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Which cause it which is a, a cause and effect. Exactly. It's just like, man, if she just speaks life into me, I'll just run through a wall, dude. Right. You right. know. So I had uh, I had you speak one time, I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> yeah. Um, on marriage yeah. at a conference and um it was probably the worst time in your marriage. Yes. And um, I love how you you brought it to this is what you're supposed to do. You yeah. know, this is not what I'm doing. Uh, That's right. But I, w- I, I want you to see how this works and how I'm trying to apply this to my life. And uh, tell that story. So I learned from you and from the Man Up book. It resonated with me that your wife called you a liar and that you were preaching a message that you weren't living right. certain messages. It wasn't your whole message. You know, every message wasn't a lie, but no. it was enough to make Nan say that. And Nan is like your biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Like you can joke with with Nan about Jody, but you're not going to go real far. <laughs> She's not gonna. She'll say she'll. She might laugh, but she'll say, "But I love him so much." You know what I'm saying? She's not going to turn on you, even in a joking environment. So, right. long story short. And this is why I always say the best way to learn is to teach. Now, that doesn't mean that you preach a bunch of lies to learn because the people on the other side of it aren't going to get anything from it. So what what I felt like the Holy Spirit said was, I first of all, I couldn't believe you wanted me to preach on marriage because right. my marriage was falling apart. <laughs> but really quickly, I decided, okay, if I'm going to do this message, it has to be this is what I'm learning in the moment I'm failing miserably, but this is what God is trying to tell me through Ephesians 5, that I'm doing it unto him. So just because she's not submitting to me the way that I feel she needs to, that the reason why is because I'm focused on what she's not doing instead of focused on what I'm doing. So it goes back to you talking about you guys started praying for yourselves, for changes in yourself, not the other one. Right. Right. And God clearly told me one time, I, I, I was out in my backyard on the deck, and I told God, what did you bring me to this woman for? <laughs> she is the devil. Like, I'm trying to do this, and she won't listen to me. And the, and as clear as I've ever heard from God, not an audible voice, but you know that impression in your right. heart, the Holy Spirit, or God said to me, that, that's not the wife I want her to be. Right. And you don't get it. That's not what I want her to be. I want her to tell you when you're wrong to, you know, to do this, this, that, and the other. So that, that, yeah, but when I, when I did that and that, that talk was like an awesome thing. I was still in, normally when we do a conference, you're hearing from everybody, but that, that, that conference, I started hearing from people on Facebook from Mm -hmm. Indiana and this, that, and the other. And it's because I did it in the right spirit. Right. I didn't want to. That was hard because you want to get up there and you don't you don't consciously do it. But you think you you have to be perfect Mm -hmm. and you're teaching them your wisdom. When in reality, what I've learned is every time I do a talk, I'm looking at what that talk is to me first. Because I don't preach sermons, but I do do talks and stuff. So I'm looking at the scripture of, okay, how does this apply to my life? Because you always Mm -hmm. told me you got to flesh it out. Right. Got to flesh it out first. If you don't flesh yep. it out, it's not it's not a certified message. And then 
once I find what it means, first of all, I find Jesus, then I find the application for myself, and now I'm ready to give the message right. to the to the men. Normally, it's men. I don't. I, I normally. I love how you did that that talk though, because yeah. you um you were vulnerable. Yo. You know, it's easy like to give a testimony and talk about the the past of how bad things were and the divorce and like all this kind of stuff uh, is easy because it's in the past. That's right. You know, for me or even for you to stand up and go, yeah, today we hate each other. You know, yeah. and you didn't say that, but I'm just saying like there there are times like you you're nothing is perfect in your life, you know, and marriages usually are really, really tough, really, really hard. And so to be vulnerable in a setting that guys are expecting, you know, that's exactly what they're expecting, though. They're expecting the vulnerability to realize, okay, I'm not the only one going through this. Yes. And I've said this a million times, you know, men have five major problems, sex, wives, money, kids, and work. And we're so prideful that we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. That's how simplistic we are. Um, but you talked about your marriage, and then you had tons of people come up and say, I'm struggling, too. That's right. I'm having issues, too. And so now you can go, you know, three years later, your marriage is the best it's ever been. Yeah. And, uh, again, it's not perfect. No. You know, uh, and neither is mine. Um, we still have struggles. We still have debates. We still have, you know, we don't argue or fight like we used to. Um we're, we're mature enough to actually have conversations, and sometimes we we're mature enough no one not to say anything. You know, you know, after the and and we weren't we weren't uh, we weren't where we needed to be probably a year after that. Right. It's only been in the last two years, but what I will tell you that I learned from doing that talk is this: the word divorce will ne will will never come up again in my marriage. Amen. Like it did then. We are one flesh. I love the way Nan describes it. She described mm -hmm. it one time. I'll never forget this about if, if one flesh separates, it's a ripping. And she went like this with her hands, right. just like a ripping. And it hurts, right? Yes. So that will never happen. I am with my wife until the end. Right. Uh, and so that, that, came, that was fruit that came out of it almost right away. Right. But we weren't perfect for probably a year. But I think we're both to that point where we do tell, still tell each other, hey, I'd like to see you change this or I'd like more of this from you. But most 99% of my prayers when it comes mm -hmm. to my marriage is about me being the husband that she, that he wants me to be right. and designed me to be and that she needs me to be. Right. That's my prayers. Yeah. I that's, don't pray. That should be all of our prayers. I can yeah. promise you in the last two years, I have not said to God one time, do this in Stacy's life and, unless it's something like, mm -hmm. God, give her the love that she needs that I, as a human, I can't right. fill whatever ever, ever gap she needs. It's I'm not telling God what I'm seeing that right. he needs to change. I'm saying if something's there, God fill it right. because I can't. That's good. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I've, I've loved watching your guys marriage. I've been vulnerable and open and uh, God is doing a work and it's yeah. been, been really cool. And that's what God will do. If we just allow him into our lives, he has to be the center of our lives. He has to be, you know, n numero uno. He has to be number one in your life. And so personal relationship is going to help your marriage. The third area that I talk about uh, quite often is um, uh, children. Yeah. Parenting. Um, you know, I've, 
you know, I've got my son here, so I can't say that I've been a perfect pa- father because he'll probably get on the microphone and yell at me. But, I, you know, I've done the best that I thought I knew how, um, you know, just like my dad did and just like my parents did. Uh, they did the best that they knew how. One of the things that we tried to do with our children is to bring them up in a godly uh, world and godly understanding and biblical lenses for their eyes. And, um, you know, it's been really cool. I've got a, a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old and twin 11-year-olds now. And I've been able to watch my daughter and my son, my two older ones. You know, they're, they're coming to that age where the world is coming at them 900 miles an hour. Um and they are they are striving to hang on to the relationship that they have with Jesus um, to the best of their ability. They're doing a great job. I'm proud of both of them. Um, but but what we did in their lives and what we hope will come to fruition in, the, in their later lives is that we raise the bar so high that if they do fall and they do come, you know, they do seek the world a little bit. And I pray that they don't, that they only fall a little bit. You know, we, we gave them such such a, a hopeful understanding. And um, as I learned to be a godly father, as my wife learns to be a godly wife, as we learn to become godly parents, we had to, you know, let them see that not just uh, by taking them to church, by teaching them the word of God as well. Encourage them to read their Bible, especially when they get older. Uh, encourage them to do the things that they need to be doing in their life. And for Gabe, or for, um, Gabe my son, um and my daughter, uh, there's a certain point in their lives where they have to figure out who Jesus is in their life. Not that they don't know Jesus, but they know Daddy's Jesus. And yeah. it's been really cool to watch them both just figure out, you know, what the world is telling them compared to what they already know. There's literally a prayer that you've talked about many times in your daughter's life that's playing, that's coming to fruition. Totally, yeah. We prayed uh, from the day that they were born that uh, God would not send them dates, but send them a godly husband and, and wife. Um, and that they wouldn't waste their life chasing after stuff that doesn't matter, but that God would just place them. And, you know, in May, my daughter's getting married to the, the, the guy that she found in, in really college. Really the first really real the relationship first, yeah, she's ever had. The first real relationship. The way I understand yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yep. And God has just done a, a, an awesome work there. He's a good, godly kid. And I say kid, he's a man. He's 21 yeah. years old. Um, and, um, you know, I, I gave him my daughter. And, you know, he had the respect to come and talk to me about, um, you know, wanting to marry her and how much he loved her and um, how he would do everything that he could to treat her well and be a godly man in her life. And uh, so it's been really cool. And, you know, just watching Gabe grow up, um, you know, his struggles, and he's not going through anything that any of us haven't ever gone through, and he's done really well, and I'm really proud of him. I hope he knows that. Yeah, I, do, I want uh, you guys to know on the uh, out there in the audience, too, I've never seen Gabe and Batman in the same room. I guess. So I'm starting to suspect <laughs> that his real name's Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, yeah, exactly. So um, what, the, what learning to have a personal relationship, you know, making sure that your marriage you know and my kids know that i'm joking but i'm really not joking my kids are third class citizens in our home yeah it they it is me and his their mama you know we came in this world together and we brought them into it and um they're not gonna split us apart we're not gonna let you know our kids split us apart we love them though with all of our heart and we will do anything in the world for them and uh, we want them to be um chasing god 
um, however that looks in their lives, you know, um, and, and hopefully they'll learn from the mistakes that we made and, you know, knowing that, you know, and it's, I feel sorry for the kids nowadays. It's, it's a tough world and it's a different world. And, and not only as a parent, am I trying to navigate through that? Cause I, I don't understand all the stuff that they're going through. Um, but you know, just trying to help them navigate through stuff. I don't know, you know, the, the social media world that they live in that is, uh, you know, depresses them and brings them down. And, you know, they have the opportunity now as kids, which is crazy to see where all their friends are on any app, just about, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you didn't know where anybody was until Monday back at school. Oh yeah. We had a sleepover and all this. And, you know, our kids are growing up to know that nobody invited me out and they're all at the same place. And, uh, it's a, it's just a different world. And so I pray that they, uh, seek God, you know, that they, they don't let the worries of the world get to them. And, um, we can only do that again through the word of God. Well, and that's the, that's the importance too, that we're talking about children in, in a marriage and, and how God designed marriage and the way that we're supposed to be is because we, we were at life group last Friday and, I'm in a I'm in a life group in our church where the, all the couples are younger, right? At least ten to fifteen years younger. We're in our I'm fifty, Stacy's fifty two, and a lot of these couples are in their thirties. And we were talking about kids, and one of the things I said was, kids don't do what they're told; they do what they see. Mm-hmm. Now that is not a blanket statement. Right. It doesn't mean that kids never do what they're told, but they do what they see. Yeah. As the father is, so is the son. Right. Understanding context, talking about Jesus' mm-hmm. relationship with his father. Spiritualizing a little, it's true. It's true, yeah. And so um, we, we have to be setting a good example. Mm-hmm. If they see a godly marriage, not a perfect marriage, but they see that, mm-hmm. that that foundation of the marriage, that design is there, then they're more apt to have that design yeah. in their marriage. Exactly. And, and this, that, and the other. So it's it's very important, our... our uh, our example and when we mess up it's very important to be transparent about it and say we messed up and then explain to them why why we messed up and what you know what to look for and how not to fall into that trap a lot of of us we try we walk around and we're trying to be perfect right exactly and that's got to be and i don't Mm want to get into this but just just a point that's got to be one of the hardest things to be a pastor and an Mm -hmm. elder because you you can fall into this trap of from Oh, I've got to be uh, perfect. No, you got to be above reproach, but you don't have to be perfect. When you're sharing your testimony and you're great at it and your struggles with us, it makes us, like you said earlier, it makes us feel like, you know what? I'm not alone. This guy was a bad husband. I'm a bad husband now, but it can get better better, because he did all the stupid stuff I Mm -hmm. did. The only difference between mine and your story is... I'm on my second marriage, and that's when it started. You were on your first, and you messed up more money than I have. Yeah. But I've messed up money. It just wasn't as much, yeah, right? I screwed but the anyway. money up. Gabe, do you remember um, what I told you, um, you know, talking about an example uh, early on when you had hit your sister? Do you remember what I told you? I really don't remember. You, you don't remember? Okay. I, I asked you, did you, have you ever seen me hit your sister? Have you ever seen me hit your mama? Right. Okay. You follow me. You do what I do until you understand who Jesus is. Uh, I told him that early on. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm your example until you understand who Jesus is. I'm going to be your closest thing. I'm going to try to be your closest thing to the example of Jesus 
Uh, you follow me into the. You didn't. You've never seen me hit your sister. You've never seen you hit me, your mama. You follow me. You do what I do, yeah. and uh, that's a good example. That's a really good example. So, you know, and and again, I mean, um, you're talking about be not being perfect. I mean, there's been times where Gay will drop the old pastor. Really, pastor? Yeah. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, you gonna say that, pastor? You gonna do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you watching that, pastor? Like, you know, shut up, Gabe. <laughs> exactly. Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Well, he does. He does a really good job of keeping me home. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like know. me. Yeah. So we're <laughs> or actually, I'm like him because he's been in your life longer. <laughs> I love, in a in a loving way, to just rib you Ooh. or say, "Really, dude," or or something like that. So keep me I, 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 You you're a man after my own heart, yeah. Gabe. Yeah, he's he he does good, but um, it's uh, parenting is not easy. And, you know, there's a million different things that we could talk about parenting. This isn't a parenting class tonight. Uh, I, maybe one of these nights we'll do one. Um, we have not been perfect. Uh, we've made some mistakes. You know, we're, we actually have now 11-year-olds, and we call it 1.0 and 2.0. So we're, you know, we're older. And we've got 11-year-olds that are athletic, and they're busy, and they're gone everywhere, and they're wanting to do stuff and never satisfied. And, you know, our two older kids, you know, like to be with us and be at home, and we homeschool them. And now our two kids go to, to public school. And so life is, is completely different. And depending on how many kids, you're go you may have to parent four or five different ways, uh, depending on how many kids you have. All four of my kids are different. Yeah. All four of them. Like, the twins are even different, you know, yeah. uh, and so parenting, you just got to figure out what that is. And so, again, this is not a parenting class, but once you have those things leading into the next chapter, which is church, um, I'm a big proponent on having your household in order, personal relationship with Jesus, one flesh with my marriage, making sure that I'm leading my children to the best of my ability to be godly kids that gives me the the ability to have my household in order. I know that that's my first ministry. God gave them to me. I can't do man up. I can't do pastoring. I can't do discipleship. I can't share the gospel if I don't have my first ministry taken care of. Um, and it, it changes throughout the seasons. You know, there. You know, early on, Gabe went to me just with every conference. Uh, my family, matter of fact, my whole family went to every man up conference that we had, and. You know, I was able to keep them there, you know, right with me. And, man, I was protecting them as best as I could and making sure that they were always with me because that's my first ministry. And I wanted people to see and to talk to my wife, you know, because what I'm talking about in marriage is not all marriages, but it is in my marriage right at the moment. You know, at, at this time when I'm, you know, just sharing our book and sharing our conferences, I wanted them to hear the words from my wife. There's n no better advertisement if you will than to hear that that of your wife and of your kids and Gabe's you know he's been able to be at, at just about all the conferences and he's uh, he's always been there and it's been really cool to to protect them to the best of my ability now they're going to have to you know go out into the world and figure out uh, all of this stuff on their own you know and I hope to be there for many years to be able to to to, to be there so um, have your household in order if if you're in ministry right now and your household is in, in an order, step out of ministry. Uh, if you're in leadership in the church and your household is in order, step out of leadership. Uh, I'm not kidding. Dude, like, I hate that I have a testimony about all this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Share it. My, um, the biggest lesson you've ever taught me 
and the best best gift you ever gave me was how hard you were on me about my household being in order because you could tell it wasn't to the degree. I remember we did that uh that little the the really in the early days when we were thinking about starting a podcast, the unscripted, mm-hmm. right? And it was about I did it. Uh, we, we I came to you and said uh, my my issue that night was contentment is what we talked about, but. At the end, we we stepped back by the sound booth in church, and you looked at me, and you said, "I'm not I'm not trying to hold you back," and I, I believed you, but I didn't believe right. you, because I was mad. Right. That's the closest I've ever been at being like mad at you, but I realized after I, I then I came to you not or I I had come to you before that and I, and you had had me in a leadership pipeline at the church and I told you I told you I said I've got to step back mm-hmm. I got that idea from you you didn't tell me to do it I came to you I said I've got to step out of ministry I said I'm not the husband that I need to be and my my household isn't in order and then about th- maybe a month ago come full circle we were at a life group and I remember you saying after me uh, it's amazing to see the change in you and Stacy because she was sitting next to you. She was asking you questions. Y'all were talking. She was smiling. And I can tell there's something there. And you have no idea how much that meant to me that you mm-hmm. said that that night. Um, because it, it and, and again, we're, we're not perfect, but there is nothing worse. If you want to know how a man's doing, look at the way his wife right looks there. at him. Yep. That's it. Yep. And that look that she used to give me and it was justified. Mm-hmm. It's the worst feeling in the world. Uh, and then the the blessing out of all that was I stepped back, like I came into this church thinking I was going to be a pastor. I'm not even getting details, but since then I have learned that I'm not a pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm an evangelist. Right. And my evangelism will be done in an outreach and missions environment. Mm-hmm. But the way that I found out about that calling was when I stepped out of ministry, when, when I stepped out of the leadership pipeline, I, I don't come to church just to listen to your sermons. Right. I want to be. I want to serve. And Stacy was doing the Operation Christmas Child and was doing some outreach type stuff. And 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 the Holy Spirit just said, just slide in yeah, behind her and yeah. support her. And I, so I went to my first OCC meeting. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, next thing you know, we went to Haiti, right. and God confirmed it there. Uh, you know what I saw going on and. All of a sudden, I've got this heart to just give it all away and this, that, and the other. That that calling, the true calling on my life, came birthed out of making sure my household was in order. order. Right. And being willing mm-hmm. to step out of ministry and and then finding my calling. So yeah. it's, it's, it's the most important lesson I've ever learned probably in my life Amen. because my marriage was causing me all kinds of grief, that mm-hmm. I, and I was doing it myself right i had no one to blame but myself even though stacy was probably doing some things i'm responsible right okay yeah. you want to be the head of the household you want to throw that around you want to lord over her all right buddy this is what it comes with to, right now you want to change that by force or by choice right. right yeah exactly i spoke it out in haiti yeah i was talking to myself yeah that's good yeah and i have seen a change it's been beautiful yeah and it's you know it's the whole redemption story. You know, that's oh, the cool gosh. thing about it is that marriages, no matter where you are, guys, you know, 
your marriage can be restored. No matter what you've done with your kids, you can be restored. But it all begins and, and ends with Jesus. It has to have Jesus in the middle of that. And it's a beautiful thing when yeah. it happens. It's not easy. Um, you know, one of the things that my wife and I try to do as much as possible is outserve each other. You know, we're not tick for tack. You, you, you can't have that. You've got to make sure that, you know, you're trying to, it's about selflessness, not selfishness. Yeah. And so when you have your household in order, then I would say then you as a family unit can step into the church and start serving and start leading. If one of you goes before the other is ready, it is going to be massive chaos. The other night, uh, maybe this was a week ago, Stacy and I, we, we had a disagreement. And I think I said something to her like, you know, I'm sick of being last. And then I go to my bedroom later that night and God says, you still don't get it, do you? You don't you don't get it, do you? And you just read it in those yes, verses. Right. You you got it. You you are last. Yep. Right. Her needs, the kids needs. And, yes. you know, my, I've got step kids. Right. They, they come first. You, they, you don't understand. You're in one side of your mouth. You'll you'll be doing a study and say something to the effect of they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And the first thing that they said was, I want to be the greatest. Right. And yeah. and and so the. In my opinion, the three best lessons in the Bible are, number one, the gospel. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, love God and love others. Mm -hmm. Jesus is two commandments. And number three is that this walk is about being the least. Yeah. Amen. When they came down and he gave them that message, in my opinion, that is the third greatest message that a Christian needs to learn is it's not about being the greatest. Right. It's about being the least. And I'm sitting there talking to my wife and saying, I'm sick of being last when God's really saying it's such a blessing to be last. Right, exactly. Yeah. What, what you're doing, you're feeling like they get it all mm. and you get nothing. When in reality, you're right in my mm. will when you're like that. Yeah. And that changes everything. And that that comes from a personal relationship. Yes. You've got to know Jesus. you got to yeah. know the power of the Holy Spirit. you got to know his word because that's going to bring you to a place where you're not so selfish. That's right. Because there's no, there's no selfishness in the fruit of the Spirit yeah. at all. And w when, we well, when we well up in the Spirit, man, we are selfless as all get out. Yeah. And it's a good feeling. And so, as I was saying, chapter 5, 4 is... Um, you know, serving in the church, you know, we have this 80-20 rule going on right now in the churches where, you know, 20% of people are doing 80% of the work in the church. And, and men, this is an opportunity for you to step in as a servant. It doesn't need 50 pastors, but it does need 50 people out in the church helping clean the bathrooms, rake the yard, you know, greet people, uh, help the old people. Like there's a million different things that you can do in the church but make sure you have your household in order, especially if you're going to step into leadership such as teaching, such as preaching, such as being an elder. Uh, you've got to make sure that your household's in, household is in order. And so as a pastor, I can tell you that in all my years, I've only had one person ever come into my church, to Jesus' church, don't get me wrong, the church that I pastor that he has blessed me with, uh, or any of the churches I've been uh, a, a leader in, um, walk up and say, how can I serve you? Yeah. One person. Not, not, hey, you know, what do you need? What you, no, like one person walked in and said, how can I serve you? I'll do whatever you want me to do. Um, 
and that's a blessing to be honest that's a that's a and that's a that's unfortunate for most churches so i can imagine if i get and we teach a lot about serving we want people not to sit in the seats we want people to serve and so there are a million things ask your pastor how can i help i don't i don't want to teach i don't want to preach i want to what can i do what is one thing that you need from me that will make your life better i promise you oh man it'll be awesome yeah you're not going to be in our church long and be real comfortable if you yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody can throw a guilt trip like me and you. <laughs> yeah, me exactly. doing announcements or just talking to guys and exactly. you definitely. So Well that and that's you know, unfortunately, you know, most churches excuse me are um female heavy. Mm-hmm. Um on the, 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 the side even in leadership, m- majority of the female. Um most churches are feminized. Um most churches are still stuck in the 50s you know they're if the 50s were to come back they'll be ready for it um they're not stepping up to technology they're not stepping up to design decor culture um and i don't mean culture and as in let them come in and do that i'm saying you know using apps and using websites and using social media like most churches aren't doing that and everyone has a gift everyone God is, if you're indwelled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you have at least one gift. And you may be gifted in something else that you've always been gifted in. And, and please find out from your church how you can utilize that. Again, have your household in order. Make sure that this is a balancing act. Making sure that uh, you're doing those things. And um, as a pastor, as a uh, international men's leader, as a, uh, as a guy who's got a part-time job as well, and you know, four kids and a wife of 31 years, I still try to keep everything as balanced as I possibly can. Uh, I do well when I'm busy. I do well when I've got things going on and I keep those balanced, but um, make sure that you're keeping those balanced as much as possible. You've got to get in the church and serve. Yeah, and think of it this way. Uh, I, I shouldn't say guys because we have guys and, and ladies. Li- if you're not serving in the church, and and let's be clear, we're not talking about works-based uh, salvation we're not talking about checking off a list and you know getting holier because you're serving what we're talking about is the work of the power the, the power of the holy spirit in your life will unction you to do these things i believe it's first timothy one of the timothy says command the rich to do good works right it's proof if you don't have an urge, and, and I'm not talking about brand new Christians that are just trying to get their feet about, but if you've been a Christian and you're following Christ for any length of time and you don't have a desire in your heart to serve, to feed, to love, to uh, share the gospel with somebody, there is something wrong Amen. because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do that in your life. And what God commands you to do, he wants us to do, and he will give us the power to do it, or he wouldn't command it. Right. It says command the rich to do good works, not say things like, well, if you feel led. Right. Like, I really have to. <clears throat> voluntold them. Yeah. You want to voluntold When I do them? announcements mm-hmm. or I'm making some type of announcement, I, like, really have to watch it because I want to command people to do it. Right, but it's not. I don't do that. God does. But it's you know, right. it's it's very, very, very vital that we are doing that because it, the, the Bible says they will be known by their fruit. Right. We will be known by our fruit. Yeah. Exactly. It's proof. That's good. 
I have uh, I'm having to do the comments tonight because yeah. we had somebody um, call in sick. Rusty and uh, uh, Samuel. I hope they're listening because I'm going to send you guys some mitol just so you know. Um, one of the guys wrote on here. He said that they. I asked on the the chat thing that we have. Do you serve in your church? And um, he said, yeah, we're painting this week, and uh, we only had one person show up that wasn't on the buildings team. And uh, yeah. that just gives you an idea of what's going on in churches. And it's it's sad, unfortunately. Well, you know me. I flat out tell people, and, they're, and listen, we have to have what I call in-reach. Right. Men's breakfasts, women's breakfasts. Did you hear what I said? Breakfasts. Hey, breakfasts. we're having a men's <laughs> breakfast. This is. But anyway, um, we, you know, you'll have a movie night. You'll have a, the foam party night. This you know, There'll be 50, 60, 80 people there. You go paint a house, three people. Two people, yeah. You know, it's tough. It's, 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 it's tough. But you know what? God does always have who's supposed to be there. there. Yeah, There's exactly. always enough help. That's I'm great. just saying. We, we, we need to change that mindset. The mission of the church is outreach. And I don't just mean outreach like right. like we define it. Preaching the gospel is done outside, outside the church. The, evangelism done outside the church. Feeding, yes. clothing, visiting in prison. Take it's it, done yep. outside the church. Yes, exactly. And we, we need more men and women to step up in these positions uh, in the church. Again, ask your pastor. Ask your elders. Ask... You know, somebody that's uh, that, you know, that's a leader. What can you do yeah. again? Make sure you don't get this out of balance and, and mess up your family, too. I uh, guarantee you to do. I guarantee in church you can be the first person to take out trash every Sunday. Totally. Just do it. Yeah. Be exactly. the least. Exactly. So let's let's uh, we got 20 more minutes here. Yeah. Um, so go from church to work. And I'll talk real quick about this. You know, the, the chapter on work is really about. What do you focus on? Most men focus and have pride in their jobs. As a matter of fact, it usually keeps them away. Um, they're so, you know, uh, hellbound on making sure that they're at the top of the ladder rung. And, and the next thing you know, they're not spending any time at church. They're not spending any time with their kids. They're not spending any time with their wife. And uh, all they do is just bring home the bacon. They're not a part of, of, the, of, the, um, of the family unit at all. Another thing is, is that um, you wouldn't know if they were a Christian or not at church or at work. You know, they yeah. they they don't have uh, godly words. They cuss. They, you know, talk. You know, tell dirty jokes. They do all the things. They cheat. They steal. They do all these things, and people would never know that they're a Christian. And they definitely don't share the gospel at work. Um, you know, one of the things I think we need to be is the bright and shining light in work. Yeah. As men, we need to like. You want to be known as the guy that they can come to and know that th you're going to pray for them, uh, that you're not going to say a bad word, that you're not going to gossip, that you're not going to lie or cheat or steal, that they need to know there's a reason behind. You may not be able to, you may be in a business that you can't speak God's name because they're going to fire you, but you got to be willing to be fired to speak God's name. Yeah. If you got to, you got to have this boldness like Paul did and, uh, in sharing the gospel and, hoping people will come you know i always uh, use this in my conference if 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 you were to stand up with all the people in your office could people pick you out as a christian yeah you know um that's all i'm gonna say about that but you know you you've got to be you know you can't you can't go to church on sundays and um 
raise holy hands and then go to work on Monday raising holy hell. Yeah. You've got to have this godly mindset and making sure that you are living for God in all that you do. So um, the seventh area is accountability. And this is something that is non-existent in the church right now. You're good. Um, and it is, uh, it, it's sad. Um, and accountability is really just, you know, stuff like you and I do, talking to each other, making mm-hmm. sure that we're okay, uh, confessing things that are, you know, bugging us or sins that are, you know, killing us or just having this opportunity that I know that I can trust somebody. I have, you know, quite a few men in my life that I know that I can trust, that I can go and tell them um, where I'm struggling, what's going on in my life. And I, I have men that have the authority. I've given them the authority to walk up and poke me in the proverbial chest and say, what are you doing? What's going on? Why, you know, why did you say that? Why are you acting like that? Uh, let me see your phone. Let yeah. me check your computer. Like, I ha- everybody has that ability that the men know that in my life to be able to do that. Um, my wife has that, uh, that, that authority as well. Uh, to be able to come into my life and to check. Um, and I, I call her the fruit squeezer. You know, yeah. she's checking my spiritual fruits. And um, we need men like that in our lives. We don't have that going on uh, in the church today. And it's um, it, it saddens me because we don't feel like we can talk to each other. You know, and pride gets in the way, too, of being able to talk to each other. Yeah, And that breaks my heart. Men should be able to talk with each other. Again, like I said earlier, sex, wives, money, kids, and work are our major problems. Pride overarching all of that keeps us from talking about it. Yeah. The, you know, what's funny is is <laughs> I'm so good at the account, I, and I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but you, I've learned to be so good at the accountability with, like, you and other men that sometimes I'm telling my wife, I'm telling Stacy about something that you know in talking to you god brought this revelation and and i learned that i was wrong and she'll look at me i'm like well why didn't you say that to me i'm like i'm saying it to you now but it comes out in speaking to you guys right you know it, it doesn't necessarily come because normally if i'm if i'm wrong and it's got something to do with her that pride kicks in and i'm not ready to admit it yet then i talk to you guys God gives me the revelation through you, and I'm like, okay. So then I go to tell her a story, and I am kind of telling her for the reason, but but it's not the same. So what I've had to learn to do right. is make sure I sit down with her and tell her, listen, I was wrong. Right. You know. Yeah. And That's then good. hopefully she doesn't say, what? What did you say? <laughs> say that again. <laughs> Here, let me record this. Yeah, let me yeah. record yeah. that. Yeah. Let me log that one down. Yeah, and it, it helps, you know, being able to confess, being able to just, you know, sometimes share your fears, your yeah. worries, your doubts. Um, we all need accountability in our lives. And I'm uh, I'm going through a podcast right now. I'm listening to it, and it's um, it's on the death of Mars Hill Church, Mark Driscoll's old church. Okay. And it's a 15 series, and it's done really well. And I'm just listening to, um, they're, they're talking about big mega pastors. And, you know, yeah. they, they, they just list off a litany of these guys that uh, have fallen, uh, whether it's moral failure or um, uh, leadership abuse, meaning that they use their authority to get their way and, you know, their status as celebrity pastors to do whatever they want. And, um they all had one thing in common at the end of their time as a pastor. 
they didn't have any accountability. Yeah. They got so far to a place to where nobody had the balls to walk up and say, you're wrong. Yeah. You're, you know, and probably they didn't give anybody the authority to do that as well. Um, that needs to happen more in the church, not just as pastors, as elders. We all need that accountability, but it has to happen with the men and the women of the church. Men, let me rephrase that. Men having accountability with men, women having accountability with men, w- women. Um, it should not ever be where you have, um, you know, that that possible relationship that could happen. Yeah, we talk could about all the time about we should have a Barnabas and a Timothy in our lives. We should have somebody pouring into us, and then we're pouring into a Timothy. And that's discipleship. Most, yeah. most men mm-hmm. are comfortable having a Timothy that we're pouring into. Right. A lot of men, especially the more wisdom we get and the farther we think we're along in our walk, we start to lose that yearning for a Barnabas. Right. And that and, and so what happens is we start to we, we lose that teachable spirit. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that God has put in on my heart is just always be teachable. I might not be teachable in the moment, right. but if but if if God wants me to change it and I hear from him either through somebody or or from the Holy Spirit, I will change it because right. I want to please God. But we, well, there's nothing worse than somebody confronting you. For that pride right. goes up real quick. Well, who are you talking yeah. to, punk? You know, and then it's kind of like you, it takes you a moment to get to that place. Yeah. Going, gosh, dang it, they were right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, it's like a Samuel David. What yeah, is it? Exactly. Samuel said, "Dude, you're yeah. the man." Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I'm talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> Let me, no, it's Nathan and uh, Nathan, David. That, yeah, Nathan, Nathan and David. David. Nathan yeah. said, "You're the man." You're the man, not yeah. Samuel. Samuel's the one that anointed him. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, exactly. And we need a Nathan in our lives yeah. to tell us that well, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong. And so, again, guys, if you don't have an accountability partner, make sure that you get one. Find somebody that you can trust. Um, you know. Make sure it is accountability and not counseling. If you're just sharing all your stuff and that other person's not sharing anything, that's counseling. You don't want that. You want somebody who's going to be open and honest with you that you guys can share your thoughts, your fears, your angers, your worries, whatever that is. Um, Again, you can talk about Jesus. You can talk about your marriage. I'm telling you, when I talk about five major problems, sex, if you have a pair of eyes and a pair of balls, you got a lust problem. You got to make sure that you work on that. Uh, if you're married, you can potentially have sex problems because one of you in the marriage doesn't like to have sex or enough or whatever. Um, you could have a porn addiction. Then you got a sex problem. Yep. Um, wives, if you're married, you got problems. You got issues. Uh, if you got kids, that compounds all of those issues and sometimes problems. Uh, work, if you're having to work and you're out of the house, you can have potential problems. And then there's money. Um, we all have money problems and thank God that's all the problem I have is money right now. Um, I'm blessed to be able to say that and, um, don't be so prideful to think that you can't talk to somebody about those issues. There's no reason why you couldn't talk about any of those issues. So let's hop into the last, um, by far least, I really, the way that I finish the book is personal relationship with Jesus and discipleship. Those are the bookends of the Christian walk. If we can learn to have a personal relationship with Jesus, it's going to make our marriage better. I'm going to have my children in order. I'm going to be have my household in order. I'm going to learn to serve at church easier. My first ministry will always be my, my marriage and my family. 
Um, and then I can step into ministry when I have these things in order. And then it's going to filter into my work. I'm going to learn to to be a great servant at church. I'm going to learn to have an accountability partner. And then I'm going to do the Great Commission. I'm going to go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all that Jesus has commanded. That's discipleship. Like Ben was saying, the, the best way to, to give you an example of discipleship is imagine that you're Paul. You're fresh off the road to Damascus. Jesus just came and just rocked your world. You gave your life to the Lord. You're blinded. You don't even know what you're doing right now. You don't even know what you feel. You don't even know what direction you're supposed to go. And here's Paul. He's blinded. He's in Damascus. He's holed up somewhere. We don't even know where he is, really. Oh, we do know he's on. What street is that? He's on. Oh, dadgummit. I just went brain dead. It's like a really, it's almost like the road Elm to Street. Damascus, but I don't know the no, name No, but it. he goes to a street, yeah. and it's almost like Elm Street. Um, it's not Elm Street. Somebody uh, somebody comment, let me know what that is. I can't remember what that was. Um, he's at this street, and God sends Ananias, uh, a guy that you know knows who Saul used to be, uh, but God revealed to him that he needed Ananias to go. And so Ananias shows up. Um, the scales fall. He lays hands on him. He prays over him. His scales falls off his eyes. Barnabas then comes into his life, and he has these guys pouring into him for the next, gosh, three years, I think it is. He doesn't even start his mis- mis- missionary work, his ministry work, for 15 years after he had his Damascus Road experience. He, in other words, what he was trying to do is, I had a professor tell me this once, and I thought it was awesome, that he was trying to get the Jewishness out of him. You know, he, he now knew Christ was, but he was, you know, so high in the uh, the priesthood that he, you know, he he was so caught up in the laws and the, the, the whatnots of, of uh, Judaism uh, that God had to do a work on him. And so then he started taking, after he was, you know, trained by Barnabas, and Barnabas stayed in his life for most of, uh, most of his trips, um, he picked up a Timothy. He had a Titus. He had a John Mark. He had all of these churches that he was planting all across uh, the known world at that time. We all, as Pauls, should have a Barnabas in our life, an Ananias in our life that is pouring into us, that is feeding us, that is, you know, making sure that they are, you know, they're checking our spiritual fruits. And then we should be doing the exact same thing to somebody else. We should become a Barnabas and Ananias to somebody else, which we would call a Timothy or Titus. We need to make sure that we're pouring in and making disciples. And in 2014, I spoke to over 5,000 men that year. And um, I I don't know why I did it, but I just had this suspicion. I, I did a poll, the very first conference, and I asked um, of those 5,000 men, again, this is over the year of 2014. I think I had 25 conferences that year. And I spoke to these men, and then I would ask a question. How many people, and I'd give the exact example I just gave, Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, Titus, um, how we should all be a pause. And how many people right now have a Titus, a Timothy, or a Barnabas or Ananias in your life? Over that whole year, 2014, only 189 guys raised their hand out of 5,000. Yeah. No wonder the church is going to hell in a handbasket. Sure. We don't have discipleship. Paul, Paul, everything Paul knew about God was the opposite of grace. Right. 
and he had to he had to relearn everything. It's the same way when we come on to Christ. We have lived our whole lives the at enmity with God. Right. Thinking in all of our thinking, even if you were a decent person doing some decent things, is is opposed to God. The day of salvation, God just doesn't wave a magic wand and fix all that. Could right. he? Yes. Has it happened? Probably. Mm-hmm. But it's not typical. Yep. And that's why us men in the church need to take people under our wings and get them for what you ever notice when somebody first comes on Christ, they're just like off fire. The the Bible says he can write your name out of the word of life. Well, yeah, if you if you intentionally take away or add to, but it doesn't mean at any moment for anything you do wrong. And so people get on fire when they're first there and they start reading. They're just like hitting people with Bibles. Mm -hmm. I did it when in reality we need to step alongside those people. Paul was the best at this, other than Jesus, meeting people where they're at. To the Greek, I was Greek. To the Roman, I was Roman. He was meeting people where they're at. He wasn't doing what they were doing, but he understood how to read, meet people where they're at, and then take them where they needed to go. Exactly. That's discipleship. That is discipleship. Yeah. Um, You're a perfect example of a a good disciple. Sure. Um, You have to be teachable. You have to be learned. Um, You have to to want to to follow god um next week we have uh dr jared posey coming yeah. on uh, the podcast <laughs> he has been a good disciple yeah and watching him grow uh in the grace of uh, knowledge of jesus has been a beautiful thing as well and he's you know uh, it's it's our jobs the older i get the the I'm starting to become the old man in the church. Yes, you, you know, <laughs> it sucks because I used to be the young punk. Now I'm the old man. Um, I have to use my wisdom. I mean, God will spank me if I don't use the wisdom that he has given me, the knowledge that he has given me to train men in the way that they should go. Yeah. And I, I got a feeling I, I, it breaks my heart um, to know that people have never led anybody to the Lord. And let me let me just preface this. Evangelism and discipleship go hand in hand. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. You can't just go out and throw the seeds out and not till the soil. You've right. got to make sure that you are sharing the gospel and because God has placed people in your life, specific people that I will never meet, that Ben will never meet, my son will never meet, that you guys will meet, that you need to, that he placed them there so they could hear the gospel from you. So you could be that conduit of discipleship, that you could be there for them. He gave them to you. You have to know the gospel, personal relationship. Make sure your ministry is your first, your family's your first ministry. Make sure that you have your household in order. And then start applying these things into your life so you will become a disciple maker. We are commanded. That's, that's not a request. It's a command. Yeah. Go and make disciples. So I finished the book with uh, one last chapter, and it's put up or shut up is the name of the chapter. Um, I've given you the tools. I've given you the ideas. I give you scripture all throughout throughout my book. If you're not reading your Bible, uh, this I promise you this will encourage you. Um, it looks like this. It is on Amazon, and you can get it within a day. If you go to Amazon, there's over uh, 550 reviews on there. We have a 4.8, I think it's 4.8 uh, star rating on there, 4.5, something like that. Um, 
it's an easy book. It's a simple book. Maybe you've got three or four guys that you're wanting to, to sit down with. It's got a workbook at the end of each chapter that you can go through, and it will help you out uh, to be able to do that. So um, pick it up. Amazon, it's only $10. It's not expensive. We have this, we have audio, and we have an ebook. And uh, it will help you out quite a bit. I promise you that. Um, you can check out our website at manupgodsway.org. Uh, you can email me. You can ask any questions. Um, uh, we do conferences all across the world. Um, you can uh, inquire about a conference. Maybe you got a men's conference coming up. We'd love to come and share the Man Up um, message with you, the Man Up God's Way message with you, and just help you. Uh, dive into your church. Uh, in a few months, we're going to have what are called um, man-up war groups or man-up boxes. We're going to give uh, the ability for, for men to be able to establish groups within your church. Uh, we're going to come alongside of you, be looking for an app. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. Yeah, especially soon. if you guys have a, f if you're, if there's any pastors out there or leaders that have a fledgling men's uh, ministry uh, in their uh, in their church, I would I would uh, reach out to Jody and maybe talk about uh, coming to an agreement on a conference because uh, every place that he's been and now that I've been with him, the way the men's ministries have grown after we after we left has just been unbelievable. Amen. We're gonna we're not gonna tell you what you want to hear. We're gonna tell you what you need to know. Amen. And you know, mine and Jody's calling within the Man Up Ministry is to teach men to not be who we were. It really isn't a glorious calling. It's not. <laughs> but, but we can do it. So. Amen. Amen. Yeah, pastors, maybe sometimes we can say things that you can't. So uh, give me a call. Email us. And um, uh, that's Man Up God's Way. Amen. Awesome. Good Amen. night. Man, that, man, that flew by. It, did, it does every time. Yeah. It does every time. We got a storm going there. I hope you guys didn't hear all the rain. Uh, that's going on but um again we appreciate you guys uh we will be here next monday night at eight o'clock tomorrow morning you'll be able to download this podcast on any platform uh, that you have out there podomatic is the platform that we're on you can subscribe to that you can subscribe to our youtube channel check us out at manupgodsway.org and we thank you guys god bless You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.